Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. And good morning, Real Presence Live listeners. This is Nick Bedelsky, your listener relationship coordinator for Southern Minnesota. Coming to you live this morning from wonderful Wasika, the land of the fertile soil and the land of the many waters, beautiful Minnesota. So wonderful to be with you this morning. Uh, before we get started, we'll uh, start in prayer. And I'm sure, uh, just like me, a lot of you have been following the news and hearing about the uh, the uh, problems in Ukraine uh, with Russia attacking unprovoked uh, the Ukrainian people. And so I thought it'd be fitting to start today's uh episode with a prayer uh, for the people of Ukraine as they try to defend themselves um, from this aggression and um, try to find peace. Um, If you hadn't heard, Pope Francis has asked uh, Catholics to uh, dedicate their fasting and abstinence uh, this coming Ash Wednesday, which is this coming Wednesday, uh, for peace in Ukraine um, and for uh, the people of Ukraine. So, um, just wanted to remind everyone of that, uh, to keep that kind of conscious intention in your mind, uh, because they are really uh, facing some very, very difficult times. Uh, so let's start in prayer. This is a prayer, actually, that comes to us from the Ukrainian Catholic Eparchy of Toronto in eastern Canada. It was prepared by reader Ilya, Ilya Galadza, who's uh, there at the parish reader, is like a, um, is a minor order in the Ukrainian Catholic Church. And I'll just uh, do part of it, uh, but you can find the full prayer at the National Catholic Register if you just type in Prayer for the Deliverance of Ukraine in Time of Invasion. <laughs> Very long title. Uh, you can pull up the prayer there. So, But we'll, uh, we'll kind of truncate it for radio airtime. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. O Lord, God of powers and God of our salvation, O God who alone work wonders, look down with mercy and compassion on your humble servants, and out of love for mankind, hearken and have mercy on us and on the land of Ukraine. For behold, enemies have once more gathered together in order to cause division and enmity. But you who know all things, understand that they have risen up unrighteously, and that it will be impossible to oppose their multitudes unless you show us your help. Therefore, we who are sinful and unworthy, pray unto you in repentance and with tears. Help us, O God, our Savior, and deliver the land of Ukraine for the sake of the glory of your name, that the enemy may not say, Their God has forsaken them, and there is none to deliver and save them. But let every nation understand that you are our God, and we, your people, are always protected under your dominion. Reveal your mercy, O Lord, and let the words spoken by Moses unto the people of Israel be applied to us. Fear not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, for the Lord shall fight for us. Work for us a sign for good, that they who are filled with hatred may see our orthodox faith and be humbled and shaken. For you are the health and victory and salvation of them that put their hope in you, and unto you do we send up our glory, to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, now and forever, and unto ages of ages. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And like I mentioned, you can find that full prayer uh, on the National Catholic Register. 
if you search for prayer for the deliverance of Ukraine in time of invasion. And it's adapted from the Great Book of Needs, which is um, basically the Eastern Catholic, the Eastern Orthodox uh, book for a bunch of different prayers and blessings. So um, you can find that online. Uh, my first guest today is Emily Albrecht from the Minnesota Catholic Conference, and we just started our show uh, interceding and advocating on behalf of the people of Ukraine as they face this um, this uh, untold horror of war. Um, and now we're going to talk about a little bit of diff- different type of advocacy right here at home. Um, the Minnesota Catholic Conference does a lot of wonderful things advocating at the state level here in Minnesota for uh Catholic social teaching uh, to be implemented uh, at the state level and at the national level as well. But I'm not going to steal Emily's thunder. I'm going to let her tell us all about it. So welcome to the show, Emily. Thank you so much for having me. It is a pleasure to be here this morning. And could you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. So my name is Emily Albrecht, and I work for Equal Rights Institute, which is a national pro-life organization that specializes specifically in pro-life apologetics. In other words, I help pro-life people to be less weird. I think all pro-life <laughs> people out there have had, at some point, some really negative conversation with a pro-choice person. And I think our conversations between pro-life and pro-choice people generally could be better. We all know this. And we come across sometimes as being really weird to pro-choice people. And so I tell people I right. try to help pro-life people to be less weird. In other words, I help us to make more good arguments and fewer bad ones, and I try to help pro-life people to just connect relationally with others so that we can actually engage with their ideas. So we partner with a lot of different organizations around the country, and the Minnesota Catholic Conference is one of them that I get to work with a lot because I am local to Minnesota. I live in the Twin Cities, and Mm -hmm. so we do a lot of work helping to train Catholics and Christians and all sorts of organizations that care a lot about doing effective pro-life advocacy. I try to help them to do that even better. I think it's a really weird job, but it is so needed because there's just so many stereotypes out there about who pro-life people are and what they stand for. If we can really break down those stereotypes with intelligent and loving arguments, I mean, amazing things can happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I like the way you describe it about making pro-life people less weird, uh, <laughs> Catholics less weird and less uh, difficult to talk to. Um, so uh, we mentioned the word advocacy, or I did uh, at the start here. Could you explain a little bit more what advocacy specifically is? Because that's kind of the, the work that Michigan Catholic Conference is, is focused on, right? Absolutely. I think that advocacy is having a position on something, but then being able to talk about that position really effectively. Because we all have beliefs about things, whether those are religious beliefs or political beliefs, social things, whatever that is, we all have positions. But when you can advocate for that position, that means that you are able to really think clearly about it yourself. You have, you know, good reasons for why you believe what you believe, and you're able to think through those reasons well. And then you can reason honestly about it out loud, meaning that you're open to hearing what other people have to say, trying to engage with the smartest arguments on the other side, and not just be stuck in your position because you're too stubborn to believe anything else, but to have your position for good reasons, because you've just genuinely been willing to explore other issues, explore other perspectives, and follow the truth where it ultimately leads. And then finally, I think then you're able to argue persuasively about it, because you've done that background work. You've thought clearly about this position yourself. You've reasoned honestly about it by engaging with other viewpoints. And then you're 
so confident in what you believe that you can actually argue persuasively about it. You can make good arguments and not bad ones. You can make philosophically sound arguments and do it in a really relational way that gets people's walls down. So they're really open to hearing what you have to say. I think true advocacy in that sense is ultimately how minds change about issues. Because you've really gotten to hear what another person has to say, and they seem so genuine when they explain it, and so genuine in how they got to that position, that you're far more fascinated to really understand where they're coming from. That's ultimately how people's minds change, not from watching debates on television or something like that. And it's funny you mentioned that, watching debates on television, because I think uh, when most people think about advocacy and having these conversations, that that's the image we have in our mind, right? We have politicians debating each other and not not even really debating each other because they're not trying to change each other's minds. They're just trying to shout louder than each other. Right? Um, so uh, it, with that image kind of in people's minds, is it really possible to have a, a, a reasonable philosophically sound conversation with someone who, you know, um, has a different viewpoint on say abortion or, or some of the other issues? Absolutely it is. I mean, I've seen it myself countless times. This is what I do for a living. I spend my day every day talking to pro-life and pro-choice people. I get to go out and have conversations on college campuses with really, really strong pro-choice students. And I've seen that this is possible, but I think the reason it's possible is because, quite honestly, people today crave it. I mean, we are used to seeing exactly what you described on television. We've got politicians screaming at each other and attacking each other's character rather than, like, actually the ideas coming out of their mouth. Mm -hmm. And so when I talk to students on college campuses, my standard opening line, I'll say something like, hey, we're just here trying to create more productive political dialogues on campus because I think people are really awful at talking to people that they disagree with. I will say that, and inevitably (laughs) they will give me this little chuckle and they'll laugh and they'll be like, yes, that is so right. We are awful at this. And then when they see that I'm here to offer something different, they have become fascinated by me and our conversation. They are so used to seeing people just screaming at each other, either literally mm-hmm. or in all caps on social media, that right. when they're presented with an opportunity to actually explain what they believe and hear what someone else thinks and ask questions of each other, they feel like this is new and different, and that's attractive. They want that. I don't think people want the environment that our culture has created where we scream at each other. People want to actually be able to fix things in our society, and they realize that we are never going to get anywhere in solving literally any controversial issue in our society if we can't actually figure out how to talk to each other. Right, that's an excellent point. Is uh, Really, that gets to, to the heart of what you're talking about, is it's not really about just winning the argument, right, or shouting louder than someone, but it's this focus on changing people's hearts and minds. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Absolutely. I think that winning an argument does you absolutely no good. Like, people don't change their minds in a day, and certainly not when they're in debate mode. Okay, if there's something that you've believed for your whole life, like the sky is blue, and if I came up to you and I had really good arguments for why the sky is actually purple, and I engaged with you in a debate about this, Let's say I was right. The sky really was purple, and my arguments were so sound. You're not going to change your mind and say, that yeah, the sky is purple, (laughs) at least not today, because you have this thing in your head for forever. And if I destroy your argument, you are in this debate mode where you feel super defensive. 
maybe you're going to go back to your room later and you're going to think about it for a super long time and change your mind, but you're probably going to try to block that whole experience out of your memory because it was so negative for you. Like, I treated you so horribly in that conversation that it didn't seem like I cared about what you had to say. And so you, therefore, are going to try desperately. Like, your brain is automatically going to work against anything that I said. Because you didn't feel like you could be open to my arguments because you were so busy defending your own. But if, in contrast, I came up and I talked with you about the sky, fact the sky is purple in just a really calm, dialogue-type way, like, we're two friends just trying to find truth together, then you're going to be way more open to hearing my arguments and going back and actually thinking about them later, not trying to block that experience out of your brain. And then you're going to come back to me with more questions because we've developed a friendship. I mean, when I talk to portrait students on college campuses, oftentimes we'll go back multiple times or I will train students on those campuses how to have these conversations and then they'll go out and be having these conversations multiple times. And we will see the same portrait students come back to our outreach displays again and again because they had such a positive experience the first time that they want to come back. They're fascinated. Like, they're, they're seeing pro-life people that aren't what they expected. I think that pro-choice people today, especially young people, college-age students, they don't remember a time when abortion was really debated. They remember, right. like, obviously everyone should be pro-choice because that's what my parents told me to be. This has just been settled law for so long. Like, why are we even still having this conversation? They have this stereotype that pro-life people are crazy. And they're like, why are you even right. still talking about this? Right. And so when they get to actually engage with a pro-life person right in front of them, who's not only making good arguments that they've never heard before, those are completely secular arguments. Those are the arguments we teach at ERI are 100% secular arguments. And then we are doing it in such a relational and loving way that they just, they just don't know what to do with that. They're shocked. And they, like, feel really safe in this conversation. And then they're going to go think about it afterwards. And they're going to come back. And that's how we change hearts. It's not about us fighting each other. It's about us being on the same team trying to find truth together so that they feel emotionally safe enough to want to come back, to want to think about this, because they don't feel threatened by the idea of changing their mind. Right, and and like you said, I really like the the uh, the phrase you used there, which is two friends working together to find the truth. Right, it's not a an adversarial relationship. It's not a an enemy versus you know uh, versus us or anything like that. Right, we're all we're all human beings. So we all we all believe in the the innate human dignity. Right, in innate dignity of the human person. It's kind of hard to uh, to uh, hold to a pro life view if we don't believe that and if we don't Absolutely. demonstrate that in our conversations with others right it's hard <laughs> harder for people to take us seriously um so that's a very important uh tip uh there and i and i'm glad that that's very much part of the the advocacy uh training the, that you mentioned is this uh having a conversation between two friends trying to find the truth rather than uh an argument or or a courtroom uh or a political debate or something like that right um and like you said uh some people have this image of pro-lifers in their head of these you know uh raving lunatics uh that uh you know from the from the way long ago that they've never encountered in person before so when they meet one they, the guard's already up um, but the more they get to know us, the more that they're engaged in friendly conversation, right? Uh, it helps to break down those barriers and cause people to think, maybe I should 
think twice about the position I hold. Maybe these pro-lifers aren't all raving lunatics, right? So um, we'll be talking... We'll be talking more about that and advocacy in the public square when we come back. Nick Medelsky with Emily Albrecht from the Minnesota Catholic Conference on the phone with us. Stay tuned. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. Have interruptions impacted your charitable giving? If you feel like you have less to give this year or are waiting until you get through these recent challenges, we want to let you know about some creative gift options that won't cost you a dime this year. For example, you could designate Real Presence Radio as the beneficiary of all or percentage of your IRA or make RPR beneficiary of a percentage of your estate or specific asset. Make a bequest commitment gift this year without impacting your savings or investments. To learn more about the benefits of making a charitable bequest, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. Hi, I'm Carrie Dew, the Executive Director of Riverview Place in Fargo. The blessing of our foundation built on faith and our sense of fellowship strengthens our sense of safety, security, and community. This is what the region has come to rely on at Riverview Place for the past 35 years. We'd love to have you join us. Call 701-237-4700 to set up a tour today or check us out at homeishere.org. Do you know a priest who has made a difference in your life or at your parish? One who has helped you through a loss, discern an important decision, or celebrated the sacraments with you and your family? Real Presence Radio would like to know about these amazing priests. Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com slash contact to nominate your priest. And each week on Real Presence Live, we will recognize one of our priests with a dozen donuts generously donated by a local business. Help us honor our fathers by nominating your priest today. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. And hello again, Real Presence Live listeners. Nick Medelsky in Wasika, Minnesota, coming to you live this morning. Emily Albrecht from the Minnesota Catholic Conference on the phone with us talking about advocacy, uh, changing hearts and minds rather than having an adversarial political debate. Uh, In the first half of the show, we talked specifically about what advocacy is as opposed to that argument and how to change hearts and minds uh, by engaging in, uh, I like the phrase a lot, two friends trying to find the truth uh, rather than trying to win a political debate. So, um, Emily, uh, for those who haven't been involved in advocacy, uh, what kind of ways are there for... uh, people to get involved in bringing Catholic truth out into the public square? I truly think that 
every single person can and should be involved in advocacy. I think advocacy seems like this really big word that only means I'm going to go out and help a politician campaign or I'm going to write op-eds for the paper or I'm going to do, you know, some big thing that's really getting out into the public square. That's not what advocacy is in my mind. I know we chatted earlier about kind of what my definition of advocacy is. And I truly think it's just getting to know your position better and being able to really explain that well to the people around you. It doesn't require you to really leave your circle of influence. Obviously, some people are called to do that. I feel called to do advocacy on a different level because of my job. But I think everyone is called to advocate more effectively for what they believe in the small people that they know, whether that's in your family, in your friend groups, in your workplaces, in your churches. We all know people who don't agree with us about all of our views, whether that's because they're pro-choice, whether that's because they're not Catholic, or whatever that is, we all have those people in our lives that we can reach more effectively just by being a more effective advocate who really knows why they believe what they believe and is able to explain that well. You can stand up and make these arguments, have these conversations in more of a formal setting, say, in your church by hosting pro-life events, inviting people to engage. But you can also just break down these stereotypes by how you and your local community behave around those truths. I mean, one of the things that we're really passionate about at Equal Rights Institute is helping churches to be more effective in how they support pregnant women. It's one thing for Catholics and pro-life people to say we're pro-life, but it's a completely other thing when we're trying to break down the stereotypes to really show how supportive we're going to be in that environment. And so Equal Rights Institute has this program called the Pastor Pledge that tons of Christian and Catholic churches around the country use to really publicly say, this is how our church is going to behave if there is a pregnant woman in our church. This is how we intend on doing that. We recognize that there is nothing inherently sinful about the state of being pregnant. Maybe how Mm -hmm. they got there wasn't good, but there is nothing inherently sinful about that state of being pregnant. And so this is how we are going to react. This is how we're going to love that person. And they make that statement really publicly so that when there is a situation happening in your church or in your workplace where there is, say, an unwed pregnant mother, what are you actually going to do about that? They already know. They don't feel Mm. like they have to be scared and run and get an abortion because of the stigma that might happen Mm. of what if people in my church find out that I did this? How are they going to behave? There's already been this public declaration of this is what we intend to do. And it helps those people who are experiencing this to feel safe to come to their church for support and love and assistance because they feel like we already know this is a place that's going to help me, that's going to advocate for me. I think that it doesn't just have to do with having good arguments and making it with people around you. It's how you behave. And if you can help your local church and your community and your family behave in such a way that breaks down those stereotypes as well, that's just as effective a form of advocacy. Absolutely, and and uh, I I like that distinction there. That uh, that uh, maybe distinction is not the right word. I'm not sure of the right word I'm looking for, but uh, that uh, that uh, putting a finer point on it. That it's not just letter writing campaigns. It's not just uh, legislative or political, right? Um, but that it's very much that that love in action, that truth in action, that being able to to go out there and say, you know, uh, and deal with. Uh, the problem of abortion on a practical level, on a local level. We can't change Supreme Court rulings in the blink of an eye, but we can stand up as parishes, as Catholics, and support um, mothers who are in a situation where 
that might seem like the only option to them. Uh, so very important, and just as much a work of advocacy, that kind of direct advocacy in, in helping mothers in that situation, that they uh, feel the support, that they know they have the support and, and everything else there, uh, that uh, abortion is unthinkable, right? I, I love that, that some organizations use that, that motto, making abortion unthinkable. Um, and I think that's something we're really called to as Catholics, as Christians, is to to be out there. And... Uh, provide that support uh, so that abortion is unthinkable uh, regardless of what the law might be at the time. And, of course, we pray the law changes, uh, but until that time, uh, and even after that time, right, um, we definitely need to stand up and support uh, mothers uh, in that situation who uh, feel might feel uh, helpless, hopeless, uh, just because of the situation that they're in at that time. Um, back to, though, uh, kind of that that more um, vocal, I guess, engagement, uh, what kind of encouragement could you offer to our listeners uh, who don't know how to defend their beliefs? And I know maybe defend isn't the right word, but how to uh, discuss and explain uh, their beliefs on abortion and other issues. Uh, People who might not be comfortable with that or, you know, uh, something like that, something's holding them back. What kind of encouragement could you give those people? I used to be one of those people. When I was growing up, I used to be absolutely terrified to tell people that I was pro-life. I went to K-12 Catholic school, and I felt like I was pro-life because that's what my church told me to be. That's what my parents told me to be. And then I went off to college, and, like, I knew the college was going to be a place where my beliefs would be challenged to some extent. But I had absolutely no idea what I was actually getting myself into. And I went to a, a pretty hostile college campus environment where... Students were openly hostile towards uh, pro-life students, towards Catholic students. And so I understand. If you are a person out there that doesn't feel like you know how to defend your beliefs or you're afraid to defend your beliefs and talk about what you think, I was one of those people. But the resources are out there. And that's ultimately what caused me to become confident, is I spent probably my whole freshman year of college keeping my mouth shut as much as possible because I was afraid of getting into those conversations because I didn't know what to say or when to say it. And ultimately, enough things happened, enough negative experiences, quite frankly, happened on my campus that I became convinced that I had no choice. I had to at least equip myself with a few tools. And so I went searching for them. And if you go searching for them, they are there. Minnesota Catholic Conference has amazing programming on a variety of topics about your faith to learn how to more effectively talk about it. And my specific organization, what I do at Equal Rights Institute, that's our entire job is training pro-life people what to say and when to say it and how to say it. And so we have a ridiculous amount of online resources for you to be able to learn pro-life arguments and learn how to understand pro-choice arguments and how to bring people's walls down in a conversation. I mean, we have two comprehensive online courses. We have a giant blog, a giant YouTube channel. We have two podcasts. We're on every social media platform. Mm. You name it, however you get your information, you can find organizations like us, like Equal Rights Institute, like Minnesota Catholic Conference, that are here to help you. Because I don't expect everyone to have all the answers right now to everything that they believe. I know I don't have a great way to explain every single belief that I have. We should all strive for that, but quite frankly, that's unrealistic. We all have so many positions on everything that it's, you want to be constantly equipping yourself more and more of why do I really think this? Why do I really think that other thing? And so make sure that you take that time, especially for issues that really, really are important to you, 
that you have found out how to explain it. You've practiced how to explain it. You've gone and done the research of what people on the other side think. You have a good understanding of that. I think that anyone can figure out how to defend their beliefs on something if they take that time to go really look it up because there's organizations like us that are dedicated to helping you to do that. One last point with that is that I don't want you to feel like you ever have to have all of the answers. And if you don't suddenly have, you know, the full encyclopedia of how to explain your position on X, then suddenly you shouldn't talk about it. I think if there's one thing that the current young generation, like Gen Z, they really, really value is transparency and honesty. They want to see what people are really like and what they're doing. And so if I'm in a conversation with a pro-choice person and they bring up something that I don't have a great answer to, I mean, that's pretty rare in my case because I do this for a living, but it happened to me a lot more before when I was first starting to do this. I would have pro-choice people bring up things, whether it's about abortion or about some other issue that I didn't have a perfect answer for. I would be honest with them about that. I think that's a really interesting point, but I haven't thought about that much. Um, well, I'm going to tell you my, kind of my gut reaction to it, and then I'd love to hear what you think. Like, I, I, I want to be honest about how we reason through things in my own brain, and that means I'm not afraid of engaging with smart things on the other side. And I'm not afraid to tell you when maybe I don't have all the answers. And to be honest, but I'm going to take the time to look it up because you bring up a really good point. People value that. That's not what we're used to. We're used to people screaming at each other, not people just listening and actually trying to find the truth. If you show that you have an open mind and you genuinely want to find the truth and have good reasons for your positions, people really respect that. Absolutely. Um, and, and like you said, people people nowadays really value transparency in that, uh, that having the con conversation and the and the um the respect right uh to listen to each other and to really engage in a conversation instead of just an argument um for our listeners listening right now uh where can they find out more you have a uh, a webinar through minnesota catholic conference coming up uh here in a few weeks could you tell our listeners a little bit details on that Absolutely. So Minnesota Catholic Conference is bringing me in to do a webinar called Lessons in Advocacy on March 10th at 10 a.m. You can register for it online at mncatholic.org. You can also find all those details on my organization's website, EqualRightsInstitute.com. We have a constant list of all of our upcoming events, and that Minnesota Catholic Conference webinar is on that list, along with lots of other events happening around Minnesota as well as around the country. And... uh for those who who might not be able to make that event, like you mentioned, there's a lot of content on the Equal Rights Institute webpage, uh, podcasts, videos, all that kind of great stuff. Could you give the uh, website out uh, one more time? Absolutely. That's EqualRightsInstitute.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me this morning. Uh, Emily Albrecht from the Equal Rights Institute uh, this morning on Real Presence Live. Uh, stick with us. After the break, we'll be talking about stained glass windows. Stay tuned. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 